Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Crucial Conversations. Don is still out, but I'm joined by our guest co-host today, Zach Shuttler from Ohio. How's it going, Zach? It's going well. It's going well. I mean, we were just talking off air here about how much has changed in 2020. Um, I was supposed to have a full schedule today with my kids and their extracurriculars. That didn't happen. So, um, you know, just finding different ways to, to really be present. So speaking, speaking of presence, we have a special episode today. We are talking about transformational leadership. Um, and before you, before you tune out, I, th- I think there, there are going to be some, some real good nuggets for us today as we approach this. And I, and I believe that it's going to be extremely pragmatic. Zach is going to take us on a, a journey through transformational leadership. So what's, what's, the, what's, the first, what's the first bullet point, Zach? What we got going on? Yeah, when you hear the phrase transformational leadership, it sounds very theoretical. And it is a theory. I'm working on transformational leadership with my dissertation and my doctorate. But like you and I were talking about, we were having a conversation about being dads and about mm-hmm. being really present and engaged with our children and our wives. And it has to go beyond transactional. So transactional is, you know, if we want to compare it to being a dad, transactional is, you know, I feed you, I clothe you, I provide you shelter. Um, When you do something well, I reward you. When you do something wrong, I call you out on it. So that's really transactional leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you do the bare necessities, you pay people to show up for work. If somebody makes a mistake, you call them out. If somebody does a good job, you give them a reward. And those aren't necessarily bad things, but they're really just the basics of leadership. Right. And I think so often when we talk about leadership, Jamal, we, we talk about it on this CEO level. Um, but really, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're a parent, you're the CEO or co-CEO with your wife um, mm-hmm. at your house. And I don't think yeah. we ever talk about it at that basic level. Right. So, so let's, look at, let's, look at some of, let's look at some of the benefits of trans, transactional leadership or transactional leadership and um, some of the, the negatives of transaction leadership, specifically in a school. So walk us through that. Yeah, so um, if, if we want to look at it from a student and, and teacher standpoint, mm-hmm. um, the grading system is very transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do certain things, if you meet certain points on a rubric, you're going to earn a specific grade. Um, a lot of the positive behavior support programs, very transactional. Mm-hmm. Um, you do good things or make good decisions. We give you tokens or we, you know, we give you a, you know, a candy bar mm-hmm. or you, you win a drawing to be part of this or that. So that's all very transactional. Not bad, but if that's all you're doing, you're just scratching the surface of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, with our staffs, um, it's kind of the same thing. Um, somebody does something well, um, we um, reward them in some way. Uh, maybe a teacher of the week or a teacher of the month type thing. If somebody makes a mistake, um, we manage them by exception to where we might call them out at a team meeting. Again, sometimes those things need to be done, um, but you're not going to have the impact um, that you could if you move towards the transformational approach. Okay. So, so, so let's, let's talk about the components of transformation then. Um, what's, what's, one of the, what's one of the key components to transformation? How do we, how do we get there? How do we move from the, the transactional to the transformation. And I, and I think the way you phrase that is very critical. How do you move from transactional to transformational? Because it really starts with transactional. There, there's not going to be anybody show up for work if you don't pay them. Wouldn't you agree, Jamal? <laughs> you ain't never lie. If you, and if, if, if you do it for free, listen, I got a job for you. Come on down. 
I got a couple so jobs. Transactional, transactional, not in and of itself is a negative. I think that's something we really have to keep in mind. Right. Um, but when we move into transformational, you're starting to really make connections. And the first component of transformational is idealized influence. Mm -hmm. And that, that really, it sounds complicated, but it's more or less that the, that the, the leader is walking the talk. Right. That, you know, if he's speaking about the mission, if he's speaking about the purpose of the organization, you're actually seeing him do those things. Um, it's right. not just words. He's not just saying, hey, it's very important to be a team player, but right. everybody knows he's the most selfish guy in the room. It's, it's not about, you know, him just tapping you on the shoulder and saying, good job, but then you see him walk to the next person and say, good job to the next person who everybody knows isn't a great employee. He is actually modeling and showing people what the standard is. I, my, my favorite football team is the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Mike mm -hmm. Tomlin says the standard is the standard. Mm. And somebody who's a transformational leader, the standard is the standard, and the most important standard is the standard that they themselves are holding themselves too you know you know i i wanna i wanna just speak to that real quick i think we you you just spoke to the intentional or the intentionality of of the way that we act but i believe that what a person doesn't say or doesn't do is just as important as what they do intentionally um so i'm speaking to the unintentional uh, a message that leaders can send and l let me just give you some context uh, Charles Barkley in the 90s I believe it was he had a Nike commercial or Gatorade commercial or basically says he says I am not your role model just because I can dribble a ball just because I can jump high just because I can do all these things that does not make me a role model for your child Charles Barkley, after that commercial, he, you know, he does his little basketball tours in the summertime. And, and having said that, you, you would think that everyone got that message. But there was a young man by the name of Chris Weber who went to who was at one of his basketball camps because Charles Barkley had come to his school. And um, Chris Weber um, was was speaking one night and he's an analyst, on, uh, NBA analyst on TNT. And he was speaking about the impact that Charles Barkley made um, on his life. But he said, when I saw Charles Barkley, he said, I saw the adult version of myself. And that made me want to become who I am today. And Chris Weber, if you don't know, is, is a Hall of Fame. I believe he's in the Hall of Fame. If not, he's a Hall of Fame caliber basketball player. But that just speaks to the, just because you don't believe that you have or that you are someone's role model um, or that you have that responsibility, you do in all of your actions. So I agree uh, in the sense of being intentional, but also the unintentional things that we do and we don't do because people will look at you um, and make decisions based on a perception that they create in their mind that might not even be true. And, and people need to see it before they can be it. Right. And, and it's more, it's so important for people close to them in their lives to, to actual visualize it. And it, it's, it's a struggle um, sometimes because people within the organization, um, many who are um, good leaders, they don't feel like there's a real impotence to study it. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you start talking about leadership and you start talking about the science behind it and the theories behind it, a lot of people will just tune out. Yeah. Uh, 
they just do. I mean, I've talked to people, um, but the ones that are really good, the ones that are really self-reflective, they know the impact that they have in that classroom right. as a teacher. And they know that they're the leader of their unit. And they know that there are ways to scientifically get better and engage people at a higher level. This and that's what true. transformational leadership is all about. Mm -hmm. It's about engaging people at a higher level hmm. and having, having the sum of the parts um, be greater than the individuals. Right. So, so what, is an, what is another key concept of uh, transformational leadership? Well, once you have the idealized influence um, in place and, and you're a role model um, you know, for your followers, um, that inspirational motivation comes into play hmm. where there's a really – there's a really clearly communicated shared purpose. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and hey, someone so like you, someone like you that just told that story about Charles Barkley and Chris Weber. I mean, being able to take the mission and bring it down um, to the level um, of the people and have them understand that they're all working for something that is, is purpose driven and not just purpose driven that is ego driven, but purpose-driven that is actually going to benefit um, the greater good and help other people. And, and that's really one of the cruxes of transformational leadership is that it's for, it's for the betterment of the organization, for the betterment of the individuals. There's something called pseudo-transformational leadership mm -hmm. or false transformational leadership where it's ego-driven. Mm. And the leader is kind of just playing people like, like a flute oh. to try to get what they want. That's false transformational leadership. Hmm. Real transformational leadership is idealized and inspirational. It's about not the leader. It's about the people. Yeah. So as, as you said this, like I, I'm going to prematurely share something that I probably shouldn't share, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, and it's just, it's just my philosophy on what I believe schools should really be or, or any organization. I'm a problem solver. I love solving problems. The problem with me being a problem solver is I'm realizing that there are a lot of people who, who are just in the profession who are not necessarily problem solvers. Um, and, and at times this, this, this can cause some frustration uh, with myself and, and with others because I see every problem as an opportunity um, to get better and you know it, it can be can perceived as toxic positivity but that's not the point I'm trying to make the point I'm trying to make is if if whatever how I see education is the common ground between admin and teachers are the students and it's really not admin and the teachers it's 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 your it's your school staff I, I like I see this picture in my mind of, or like this movie keeps playing in my mind of a teacher walking in from the left and an administrator walking in from the right and from the right. And there's this whiteboard full of like data, all of like the, the exciting stuff in school, full of data and just different problems listed out. And this teacher and this administrator, they're looking at that problem together and, and the teacher and the administrator are coming up with solutions to those problems for the students. So are the students learning? Um, what, are we, what, what are we gonna do to uh, make, ensure that the students are learning? And we're, we're constantly doing that. And I see a room full of people constantly collaborating in that manner. 
Um, and, and I believe that a lot of, a lot of the, the issue, like you said, with the, with the pseudo uh, transformational leadership is a lot of, a lot of the, the top down approach um, in order for me to collaborate with you, that means I have to give up some control and it's not really inspiring to people when you don't allow them the freedom to think and then you value their opinion as professionals. A lot of times what we do in education is we'll go in and, you know, administrators evaluate teachers and we say, hey, teachers, here's what you can do better. But in, in, in a lot of those contexts, the, the students are learning at a high clip in that, in, in that teacher's class. And we've just given this teacher, we're trying to change the teacher as opposed to trying to cause the students to grow. Um, and, and, and there's research that, su that supports teacher growth. But like, I'd, I'd just like to say like, what if across the nation in every organization, um, leadership partnered with the, I say, you know, say the, the proverbial teacher and we solved all the problems together. I think that's, that would be the most engaging thing in my little world of inspiration and motivation if that inspires you. And, and what, what happens a lot is um, um, we all have an ego. I mean, we all have one. Oh, and yeah. our, our egos get in the way, both on the administrator side and both on the teacher side. Mm -hmm. um, things become ego-driven. And it really shouldn't be about that. And, and really, you led us into that third point of transformational mm -hmm. leadership, intellectual stimulation. Mm -hmm. and, what you, and what you described you know, both sides coming together and meeting in the middle of that whiteboard is the essence of intellectual stimulation to where you create an environment, you create a culture where um, questioning things is, is encouraged, that people aren't going to be um, criticized for being creative, for having ideas, um, mm -hmm. as long as those ideas are guided towards the overall purpose of the organization. And when you when you describe that that scene very very vividly, that is the essence of intellectual stimulation, um, getting together, creating an environment where ideas are shared, and solutions are created um, within the organization, not necessarily by the leader, because the leader is not going to be the smartest person in the room. The room is going to be the smartest um, person in the room. Collectively, the intelligence is always going to outweigh the individual. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. as leaders, our egos. Um, kind of forget that. This is true. And, and you know what else is true? Nobody's coming in my office and, and checking my emails and, and writing my formals and giving my feedback to the teachers, nor am I going into anyone's classroom and teaching their class form unless it's like a, a, an extreme emergency. And if all of the administrators in the world uh, we're not available. I, I, I suppose that someone would come from the classroom who's qualified to run the school. However, in a normal setting, we're not crossing over. So there's a need for us to have that intellectual stimulation. So, so what is it? I say, so how do you, how do you, how do you create that? How do you get to a place to where like this is this is happening. What what are some steps? Do you do you have a do you have an outline, a, just a short outline for us tonight? I, I think it could be summed up with one word, and mm -hmm. it's, it's something that takes time. It's it's called trust. Ooh, there has to be a high level, high level of trust. And mm -hmm. what a leader has to understand is that you have to earn the people's trust. Mm -hmm. They don't have to earn your trust. 
you have to give them your trust and really allow them to, to, to fail or break that trust on their own accord. Oh, wow. Um, and then you find out which people you can trust within, within your team. But initially mm-hmm. going in, you have to know as a leader, you have to earn the people's trust, hmm. but you have, to, you have to trust them in good faith or the trust is never going to take place. And that's how you create that culture. And wow. Simon Sinek talks about, talks about that a lot um, mm-hmm. in his book, Leaders Eat Last, mm-hmm. and in his book, The Infinite Game. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you, you really have to have that, that courage to go first mm-hmm. as a leader. You have to have the courage to give that trust first, knowing that you could get stomped on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to show the people you're leading that you believe in them. And it doesn't take time, and you can't set an arbitrary deadline um, of when that's going to happen. But you know that if you, if you trust that process, if you listen to your people, if you, if you try to model what you want, if you try to you know, create a shared sense of purpose, if you, if you give them opportunities to contribute. And then the last one is individual consideration where mm-hmm. you're getting to know your team and not mm-hmm. just getting to know them, but also being willing mm-hmm. to actively coach them and, yeah. and try to make them better. Hmm. Then you know that trust is going to eventually take place. You just don't know when. And um, that's something where it's very important to be patient as a leader. But to me, it, it comes down to trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't think uh, we could have summed it up any better. The the trust of the the team in relation to the the, the trust of the leader speaks volumes, and especially right now um, when people are retreating to their rooms and closing the door and we're, we're just trying to survive a, a big part of what it is that we do, especially this year is trust. I think it's just uh, amplified. I don't think any of this works without the, the foundation of trust. Well, Zach, closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. I, I think sometimes we look at this all big picture and we look mm-hmm. at it as too theoretical. Um, but we know we know these things. There's enough research out there that shows that these things um, hold some water. Um, transactional is not bad, but you have to build upon it with mm-hmm. transformational. And it's not just about being a CEO of a big organization or being a coach of a professional football team. I mentioned Mike Tomlin earlier. I think he does an awesome job as a head coach. But really, when you strip all that away, I mean, if we want a better world, if we want a better tomorrow, it starts with us as parents, more specifically with you and I as fathers, mm-hmm. and modeling these things um, with our own children. Um, how do we get beyond the transactional um, with our own children? How do we serve as role models? How do we inspire them? How do we stimulate them intellectually? And you know, how do we treat them as unique individuals that are their own people? Um, it, it works at every single level of leadership. And I think when we start talking about it more on the family level, I think it relates mm-hmm. to people more. Um, but being a leader is a lot like being a, a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sometimes we overcomplicate these things. Um, <laughs> yeah. Probably one of the greatest, one of the greatest stories that I, I could tell you to kind of close up on when I had my first child, my, my son, about 10 years ago, um, I started reading all these books about, about being a parent um, you know, books like No Drama Discipline and The Whole Brain Child. And mm-hmm. my mom always would ask me, you know, what books I'm reading. So I started telling her about this book, The Whole Brain Child. And she just kind of looked at me quizzically. And she <laughs> said, and she said, Zach, I said, yeah. She goes, um, you know, we had, we had you and your brothers. They had three sons. 
And all me and your dad did was love you guys and you all turned out great. Hmm. And I know it's more complicated than that, but it's not. Yeah. Um, it's, it's being there for people and being there for people builds trust. And most of the time, if you just, if you love people and treat them right, um, there's strategy involved, mm -hmm. um, but, but things do work. Well, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, we're going to wrap things up right there. And uh, this is for Zach Shuttler. This is Jamal Crook reminding you that opportunities are everywhere.